Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, let me just first say uh, we miss you. It, it's definitely uh, a different way of doing church as we've been able to go online and do our services online. But I'm excited that we're able to do this. And uh, my prayer for you is that you've been enjoying these online services and being able to connect with us in different ways through uh, our Bible studies and um, through Zoom and that we're able just to connect and to be able to fellowship with each other even though it's online. And I'm looking forward to the day that uh, that we can be back uh, together again. Um, I know we've been uh, quarantined. We're in our houses and uh, I want to give you a little bit of a, a background, uh, maybe a little insight uh, to what the Gerace family is doing. I have six people in my house. Please pray for me. Uh, I have two uh, boys that are in college that are home. Uh, my daughter Lily, who's a senior, and we have an international student that was with us, been with us this year from Taiwan. And uh, so it makes for some interesting time together. We have no food in our house uh, because my boys are eating us out of house and home. But I wanted to show you just a couple of pictures of uh, different things that we've been doing. Uh, we've been, I'll just show you some of the pictures. We've been walking our dog. we took a walk. We've been playing uh, games. We've been, um, actually, the kids actually pulled out Mario Kart, which is something they played when they were kids. So they actually pulled that out. So that's been, uh, that's been fun. And, um, but one thing I caught my daughter doing, uh, she uh, is very bored. She is bored in the house. Uh, we are hoping that goes viral. My daughter is going to kill me for putting that on, but we are bored in the house like, uh, like many of you are probably feeling the same way, but we're trying to make it through and it's been great that we've been having, you know, family meals together and playing games and, and, uh, I'm praying that you take advantage of that and that you've been, uh, just growing in your walk with the Lord. As you know, we're, uh, just entering into this week of Jesus' life that is so important. We're, we're celebrating Palm Sunday where Jesus comes into Jerusalem and they, and they exclaim, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then we know this week, as, as we look of what Jesus did for us, his, his, his arrest, his trial, his death on the cross, his resurrection. In fact, as you look at the gospel writers and, and you look at each gospel, they spend much of their book on this last week of Jesus's life. And what's interesting about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, you have all these people that have come in to celebrate the Passover and they're on the outside and they're celebrating Jesus as he comes in. They're laying down palm branches. They're saying Hosanna, which means to save. They're celebrating Christ, they may not know exactly what he's doing, but the interesting thing about Jesus here is he doesn't stop them from worshiping him and celebrating him as he comes in. He's making a ruckus. So the people on the outside, and I was listening to a message by Tim Keller, and he brought, Tim Keller, and he brought this up, and I thought it was, it was really interesting. He says, you have people on the outside who are celebrating Hosanna, and then the people that are on the inside, the religious elite, are planning to kill him. 
And I think there's something interesting here. Uh, Jesus gives us two things here. Either we're going to worship him as king or you're, going to, or you're going to want to kill him. He doesn't give us a choice in between there. And you have these people that are celebrating him uh, on this Palm Sunday, and then you've got those that are inside the city, the religious elite, who are planning his death. And I want us to look at why the cross is so important. And, and I, I, I believe that the cross can explain the pain that we go through in our lives. And, and I remember as a, as a, as a child or, you know, as a kid, um, and I, you know, I grew up going to Sunday school and, and going to church and it was always hard for me to understand why were people so mean to Jesus? It just seemed like such an injustice. Why, why did Jesus have to die such a, a brutal death? He didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just helping people. He loved on people. And it was hard for me to understand, uh, why people were so mean t- to Jesus and, and what I want us to see today is that the cross of Christ, when we truly understand the purpose of the cross, I believe we can understand something here. If, if we are not careful, we can tend to see pain or trials as an inconvenience, something that we must go through fast and get over quickly with it. But my question to you today is this, can God use our pain? Can God use our trials? Um, can God use our pain? That's the question I want to look at today because there is a purpose behind the cross. And so as a child, I had trouble understanding this of why people were so mean. And as I began to grow in my understanding of Jesus, I began to understand why God used the cross. Now, the people that shout Hosanna may not have understood the cross. They may have been looking for a savior that was going to save them from political tyranny. Um, But Jesus doesn't stop them from saying Hosanna. Jesus wants them to know that he is king, that this king is coming to Jerusalem to do something for each and every one of us that we can't do for ourselves. So it seemed unfair. And where was the, the justice? So on this Palm Sunday, we begin to reflect on the suffering of Christ, which would lead to the glorification, the glorification of Christ, and then eventually his resurrection. So the cross of Christ answers one of the most challenging questions we have. Why is there pain and suffering in our world? And if there's any question I get asked the most, it's that one. It is why is there pain and suffering in our world today? Jesus's death answers the question of suffering and why there is so much suffering in our world today. So Jesus's death helps us to understand the reason behind suffering in our world today. And I want to explain why that's true because it's hard for us to understand how God can use our pain, but he does. It's hard for us to understand the trial that we're going through today. How can God use this, but he can use it for his glory. And I want us to understand that in Christ Jesus, we have a perfect savior who completely understands our pain and can actually sympathize with us because he's gone through that pain for us. And that's the purpose of the cross. The cross of Christ is what brings healing and forgiveness in our lives. It makes no sense on the outside, the horrific torture and what he went through. But if we can understand what God was doing here, I believe it can help us make sense of our trial and our pain, that we can actually come to Christ and we can find peace and rest in him, knowing that we have a savior that's gone through everything that we've gone through. Some 700 years before Jesus walked on 
the earth. Uh, the prophet Isaiah gave us insight into the purpose of the Messiah and what he would accomplish for us. And, I, and Isaiah tells us exactly what Jesus would do for us and why he had to suffer. So let me read for you Isaiah 53 verses 3, three through 6. It said, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom people hid their faces. He was despised, yet we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And, and by his wounds, we are healed. We are like sheep who've gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So as, as I began to study more and more about Jesus, I began to understand why he had to suffer. Jesus' death, in fact, wasn't an injustice. It had everything to do with justice. Let, let, let me explain the reason why. Jesus' death was the will of God, not the will of man. And I think that's where we get it wrong. We think, well, this was the will of man, man, man did this. But in fact, this was completely orchestrated by God. Everything that was done was orchestrated by God. So the question is then, why the cross? Why, 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 because it seems so senseless, why the cross then? Why the crucifixion? And here's the reason why. The cross deals with our greatest problem. And our greatest problem is sin. And so Isaiah, some 700 years earlier, prophesies about exactly what Jesus would go through and why he would have to suffer for us because we are all like sheep who have gone astray. And God would lay our iniquities upon him. Our greatest problem in this world is sin. Our world is broken. And that is why we see sickness and disease and viruses in our world today, because our world is broken. The cross answers the problem of our broken world. Jesus' suffering on the cross shows us how crippling sin is and its devastating results. It's a vivid reminder to us how horrible sin is. And we see it all around us. We see, you know, how devastated our world is all around us and the effects of sin all around us. So God, what he does is, he pours out his wrath on his sinless son for our forgiveness. I like what John, John Piper says here. He says, Jesus actually absorbs the wrath of God on our behalf. And this was only possible through his suffering. So in fact, Jesus had to suffer to appease the righteousness of God. I appreciate the, wor- the words of Billy Graham uh, concerning uh, the, the suffering of Christ. And, and I want you to listen to the words of, of the late Billy Graham. And this is what he says. He says, the cross shows us the depth of our sins. We don't realize what sin is in the sight of, uh, in the sight of God, how deeply it offends him and how it separates us from him. Before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed in Gethsemane and he was agonizing. He was sorrowful. And he prayed to God, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he looked into the cup. And what did he see in that cup? I like what Billy Graham says here. He saw the sins of the whole world. He saw a murderer. He saw war. He saw racial prejudice, adultery, lying, fraud. 
That is what Jesus saw in the garden. What Jesus sees before him is God's wrath and judgment. Jesus was about to face the wrath of God for us to take our punishment upon himself. The Bible uses this word propitiation to describe what Jesus did for us on the cross. And this helps us to make sense of the cross, that it wasn't senseless, that it, it wasn't injustice. In fact, it deals with justice. We, the, the cross was imperative. Uh, without the cross, we couldn't find God's healing. And this word propitiation has a twofold meaning. First, it involves appeasing the wrath of an offended person, which is God. And secondly, reconciling a person back into a right relationship with the offended person. That's exactly what Jesus did through the cross. He was perfect without sin, takes on the offense of God so that we could be made right with God once again and become friends with God. Our sin would no longer separate us from God. And so what Jesus does here, Jesus appeased the holy standard of God by becoming our offering for sin. And it's interesting, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, who baptized Jesus, understood this full well. He describes Jesus in this way when he sees Jesus coming towards him. And John records it for us in his gospel. And it says, on the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, exclamation point. He said, the lamb of God who takes away what? The sin of the world. I love how John the Baptist describes Jesus. He describes him as a lamb of God. And his purpose was to take away the sins of the world. This lamb would have to be sacrificed in order to appease God's righteous standards and in order to take away our sin. And so how would Jesus take away our sin? It would be done through the cross. And so the cross was not a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. It was the will of God. The reason we see so much suffering in our world today is because of our sin. Jesus came to purchase us back from the slavery of, of sin. And this could only happen through the cross. And it's, it's interesting that, that John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God. And there's a reason why he calls him the Lamb of God. Not only is it a fulfillment of, of prophecy from, from Isaiah, but John understood what Jesus would do for us. And John was alluding to the Jewish Passover. And Passover is the time when the Jews would remember how God delivered them from Egyptian bondage. And God protected them from God's final judgment on Egypt. And, and, and it would come through a sacrificial lamb. And so Jesus is, is the ultimate fulfillment of this Passover sacrificial lamb. And so the Israelites um, were to sacrifice an unblemished lamb and to place the blood on the doorposts of their homes. And when the death angel came through Egypt, it would literally pass over the homes with the blood on their doorpost. And death would not come to the firstborn male. It was the blood of the lamb that protected them from God's judgment. The very thing that all these Jews were coming to celebrate, they were coming to celebrate Passover, and the very lamb of God on this day was coming into Jerusalem as the Lamb of God to fulfill the Passover. Man, I'm getting chills right now just thinking about that. That is such good preaching. Amen, Pastor Barden. Um, Jesus would ultimately fulfill that symbolism of the Passover Lamb by becoming our Passover Lamb. Listen to what Isaiah says again. Um, 
written 700 years before Jesus walked on the earth. In Isaiah 53, he said, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. Isaiah gave us a picture of that Passover lamb for you and I. So what we understand is this, is that the cross would bring our ultimate healing. And now let me, let me bring this full circle for you because we have to understand that it doesn't stop at the cross because we know as we celebrate Easter a week from now, we know that Jesus is going to conquer sin and death through his resurrection. That lamb is not going to stay on the cross. That lamb is going to conquer for you and I. And I love this picture that we're given in the book of Revelation because John on the island of Patmos is, is, is given a vision of the end times. And listen to what he says about the lamb of God. This is so good because this is where it gives us hope. And this is where we find healing. Revelation seven seventeen, uh, John says, For the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. The, that same lamb that would give his life 2,000 years ago is that same lamb that now sits on the throne that gives us life. He is now alive. The Lamb of God sits on the throne as our shepherd. And, and what John tells us here is that, is that it will lead us to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The, the effect of sin is pain and tears and sorrow. But not anymore for those that have put their hope in the Lamb of God. He will wipe away all those tears. There's going to be no more pain because he conquered our pain for us. Let me read for you what Tim Keller says um, in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. He, he, makes, he gives us some great insight to what Jesus accomplishes for us on the cross. Listen to what he says here. He said, Jesus lost all his glory so that we could be clothed in it. He was shut out so we could get access. He was bound, nailed so that we could be free. He was cast out so we could approach. And Jesus took away the only kind of suffering that can really destroy you. That is being cast away from God. He took that so that now all that suffering comes into your life will only make you great. A lump of coal under pressure becomes a diamond and the suffering of a person in Christ only turns you into someone gorgeous. I, want, I, want, I just want to give you three things here. Um, that the cross of Jesus Christ does for us and what he accomplishes for us. Jesus faced separation from God so that we would never have to be separated from God again. Jesus faced loneliness so that we would never have to feel lonely again. And Jesus faced the wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to face his judgment. That is why the cross is so powerful. That is why even in our pain and our suffering, God can use it for his glory because now we have someone that we can go to that Jesus sympathizes with us in our weakness and our sorrows and we can come to him and we can find his grace and we can find help and mercy and a savior who understands everything that we've gone through. What we're going through now does not surprise God. 
And, and what I would say is allow God to work in your heart and your life as you come to him and as you give him your uncertainty. Jesus understands that uncertainty that you're going through. He's done everything for you and he loves us and he cares for us. And that's why we celebrate communion. And so uh, whether you're there alone or, you, or you're with your family, or um, I, I want you to, to, to take that juice and the bread or the cracker that you might have um, and I want to take communion with you, and then we're going to um, just end in song uh, that reflects on uh, the death and the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want us to reflect on what Jesus did for us. When we take communion, we're to examine our hearts. We're to reflect. And the, the bread symbolizes the body of Christ that was given for us. The juice symbolizes Jesus' blood that was given for us. The, the Word of God tells us that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of of our sin. And so when we take these emblems together today, I want us to be reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us, that you have a faithful savior that covers you, that protects you now, that you can run to, that will give you peace in the midst of uncertainty, that will give you hope for tomorrow. And I want you just just to think again, I want you just to give this image of Revelation chapter 7 that John gives us. For the lamb sits on the throne and he will be your shepherd. He will lead you beside still waters. He will calm your soul and he will give you that uh, life-giving water that we need every single day. I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that, right? (laughs) I needed to hear that today because I know each day brings its uncertainties, but I'm so thankful that the Lamb of God sits on the throne today and he cares for you today. So as we take communion today, let's remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. And Jesus said, anytime you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We never want to forget what a, what a precious Savior we serve and, and what he sacrificed for you and I. And we couldn't do it without him. And so we need his love and we need his forgiveness in our lives today. So if you would just take the the bread and I want to pray over the bread with you today. And I just want to thank Jesus for his body. Father God, as we just bow our hearts before you on this Palm Sunday, we know that you are savior. We say Hosanna because you are the only one that can save. And we thank you for your body that was given for us. You were beaten. You were bruised. You took that on for us. You suffered for us so that we could find life. And so we thank you for this bread and what it symbolizes that you gave us everything, that you were literally crushed for our iniquities. And for that, we are so grateful and we're so thankful. And so we just reflect on you, Jesus, and we thank you for giving your life for us that we could find our life. We love you, we thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. And I want you to take the cup and... And I want you to reflect um, the blood of Christ. And just take just a moment, just close your eyes for just a moment. And I just want you to thank Jesus. In your own words, just thank him for what he's done for you. Thank him for his salvation. I know we're under a lot of stress right now, but let's just, let's pause and just thank the Lord for his love and his kindness and his grace and his salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we take this cup.
And we thank you for your precious blood. We know that you are the Lamb of God, that your blood is perfect, that without the shedding of this blood, we could not find forgiveness. So you gave your very life, your perfect life for us. And Lord, I, I just pray as, as, as we reflect on your sacrifice that we would never forget, that it's only through the cross that we could find forgiveness and healing and, and, and not uh, become objects of God's wrath any longer. So we put our faith in Jesus and him alone. And Father God, as we just close this time and as we sing this song to you, Lord, about your precious blood, Lord, I pray that we would just be thankful and grateful. So we thank you for what this cup symbolizes. We thank you for your precious blood. We thank you that you're a perfect savior in every way. So we just put our hope and our trust in you today. Thank you for the peace that you give us, that you sit on that throne and you give us life-giving water each and every day to give us strength. So we love you, we thank you, and we just want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Amen. I'm so glad we're able to to spend this time together and um, just reflect on these words as the worship team leads us now. God bless you as you sing these unto Jesus.